0: This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing, Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian
1: Kaskervalsian. Do
0: you ever feel stuck in your business? Of course you do. (laughs) You're an entrepreneur. We all do. We have to deal with difficult challenges energy slumps, roadblocks, and self-sabotaging tendencies. As entrepreneurs, it's important for us to be exceptionally resourceful when it comes to getting unstuck. And that's why I've invited today's guest, Scott Siegel, to this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Scott is the owner of a very successful roofing company in the Washington, D.C. market called Maggio Roofing. He's also the owner of of Certified Contractors Network, where he works with hundreds of contractors, just like you, on a day-to-day basis. Scott understands the challenges of running a home improvement company, and so we're going to talk about some tips to help you not just get unstuck in your business, but also how to move your business forward, both effectively and profitably. You'll want to take notes and listen very carefully, because this guy knows what he's talking about. So let's get to it. Alright, Scott, welcome to the show today. Welcome to the Wealthy Contractor podcast. So I want to jump right in. You have a really interesting story of how you got into the home improvement business, into the roofing business. Can you start with your, kind of your backstory?
1: Sure. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, I guess it was uh, back in the mid-80s or early 80s, I should say, I it was my first introduction to the roofing business while I was in high school. Um, shortly after getting out of high school and being in college, needed a summer job, uh, got, a, got a job with the same roofing company that I worked for and... Um, just making extra money in the summer times. Uh, unfortunately, I got out of college at, at the time of uh, the start of the Gulf War, or right. shortly before that, actually. But, um, but things weren't all that great. And I, I was uh, working for a, actually a mortgage company. And uh, on, on the side, I was working for a roofing company to make some extra money. Looking around at this roofing company, I saw, geez, these guys are doing it all wrong and are still making a lot of money. I could do this on my own. Uh, so six months later, I quit my job in the mortgage industry and, uh, at the ripe old age of 23, decided to get into the roofing business. Uh, un- unfortunately for me, uh, six months later, or six months to a year later, the Gulf War started. The recession of the early 90s hit pretty hard. And uh, it, it was a, it was a rocky road uh, to say the least. Uh, I, I mean, I struggled along for a couple of years, and I thought that well, when things are bad, people buy stuff. So I decided to buy other roofing companies at the time. This was ninety two, nineteen ninety one, ninety two, uh, and I bought a few other roofing companies, thinking that I could uh, buy my volume, so to speak. And unfortunately, I, I started off very well in that my first year we did close to a million dollars in business. Uh, but then when I purchased these other companies thinking that I would just add their volume, uh, it really didn't add the volume. I, I sort of kept leveling off at a million and a half and, and I purchased like, four companies. Uh, and I just couldn't break through that million and a half, uh, threshold. Uh, and fast forward, I was, uh, Work, I was working with my – well, at the time, I wasn't working with my wife. Uh, my wife was working for uh, a large accounting firm uh, at Great Athlete College. And for the first five years we were together, I made more money than she did. But as time went on and she started rising up in the corporate world, she started making more than me and not dealing with the headaches that I dealt with as as an owner of a roofing company. Uh, such as uh, you know, child support orders and loans on Mondays, you know, the, the Monday after a pay a payroll week, um, just the, the constant issues that we had with our our workers. Uh, and she looked at me and said, "You know, you need to find a consultant or somebody who who could help you." And and at the time, uh, this was 1996. Uh, I just didn't think that there was anybody out there, and there weren't many people out there. There were associations and, and, and trade groups like that, but they really didn't help contractors build their business. They they just sometimes provided some services, um, but they really weren't there to help, and, and I just thought they're, they're just not there. And there were manufacturers that put seminars on, but the manufacturers, to me, were always just trying to get you to buy more of their material not really trying to help build your business. Uh, But needless to say, I went to one of the manufacturer's uh, one-day seminars, and one of the speakers that was up there was talking about all the problems that I had, uh, from, you know, the glass ceiling that I couldn't break through of the volume to the production problems to the sales issues to not getting the right price for the job. Uh, He was hitting all the buttons, my hot buttons. Uh, so at at the break in the middle of the day, I, I kind of went to the speaker and asked him, you know, well, you're you're outlining all the problems. What are the solutions? Because I have those problems. And he handed me a cassette tape. So you got to remember, 1996 or 90, actually, it the beginning of 90s, in the end of the 96. Um, and cassette tapes were still so popular. Uh, and I took the cassette tape and I listened to it. And it was two gentlemen talking on the tape about issues and some of the some of the things to solve those issues, which were what I was having problems with. And the two gentlemen were uh, Bob Perry and a man by the name of Richard Kaler. And Richard had just launched a sort of a consulting network, so to speak. It was a, It was a contractor's network, but it was more of a consulting type of program. And I called him up talked to him he invited me to one of their meetings and it it pretty much changed our business from that point forward Um, it it, it really opened my eyes to what was possible uh in in the contracting world
0: yeah so i want to talk about that but i want to go i want to go back for a minute so you what i always find interesting uh uh about you, well, one of the things I find really interesting about you is that you, you started to buy other companies, which is not a strategy that I see a lot of other, uh, business owners in this space do. Um, did that eventually, did it eventually help you? I mean, you, you, you weren't, you weren't the guy that got up and actually went and did roofing work yourself.
1: Right? Well, well, in the beginning, I did. did. Um, i okay. thought, I thought, I thought I needed to learn it. Uh, I mean, I didn't grow up in the industry. I didn't grow up on the roof. Uh, no one really taught me. Um, I, I really grew up on the sales end of things. Uh, from when I was in high school, I, when I worked as a roofing company, they put me in their service department, and then I rode around with the estimators. So I never really learned the production end of the business. Yeah. so when i when i when I opened the business up and bought other companies, uh, I thought I'd better learn what what these guys are doing so i I never really ran the cruise or i never you know I was not the the production guy out in the field who then turned into an owner i, I sort of was the reluctant owner that had to learn the production end of the business yeah
0: well and and so what that
1: affords you the opportunity. To do is to,
0: you know, going back to Michael Gerber and the EMIF, you were able to work on the business rather than necessarily. I mean, you were still in the business because you were out selling, but you weren't up on a roof.
1: No, most of the time I was not up on a roof. Yeah. Um, if, if in the beginning, I was on it more than I should have been. Um, and, and, and honestly, in the beginning, I was working in, in the business. I, I wasn't, for the first six years, seven years in business, um, I, I very rarely worked on the business. I, I thought if I was working on the business, you know, doing, uh, you know, the networking and, and and things like that to try and build the business, I thought I was wasting my time. I thought, geez, I, I got to get out to sell a, a lead, or I've got to I've got to yeah. get on the job to help the crews finish. It, it wasn't until I started meeting people that have done it before that I realized there was a different way to build this.
0: So. So you bring up a really good point, and I think the one of the hardest things to do in this business, and really in any business, is getting yourself away from doing. Yeah, I call it the thing, whatever the thing is in your business. If you're a dentist, you're you're at the chair, you know, drilling teeth. If you're in the restaurant, if you're in the restaurant business, you're in the kitchen cooking. If you're in the roofing business, you're you're up on a roof, you're out selling jobs. How how does somebody – one of the hardest shifts to make is to stop doing that and to start doing the other things that you thought were a waste of time or weren't going to get you there because it is in some ways counterintuitive.
1: Now, I, I think for contractors, it, it might be a little different. I think contractors, wh- what happens is um, – most owners are, are what I call reluctant owners. They, they fell into the business somehow, or they backed into the business. Uh, they were working for someone. They got upset. They got angry. They, something, you know, something got them uh, to the point where they just said, ah, I'm out of here, and they quit. And I, I'll do this on my own, and, and they kind of strike out on their own. And the problem with that is, is they don't have all the skills to run a business. And they default to what's comfortable for them. And and they end up doing on a daily basis what's comfortable, whether that's working on the roof or, work, you know, installing the window or, or, or whatever the, the actual thing is. That's what they default to. And they start looking at, well, geez, I've got to start putting a marketing plan together. I don't know how to do that. It's not comfortable. So they just don't do it and they avoid it. Or I, I don't like to meet with people and try and sell them because sales is a dirty word and salesmen are all scumbags and liars, so I don't want to be a salesman so they avoid sales and, and they have a problem. So I, I learned you know, somewhat early on when I, when I started getting acquiring the right mentors that I had to focus on the things that I didn't necessarily uh, like to do but had to do. And you know, I, I it would pick one or two of those things every day that I really didn't want to do, that I was maybe a little uncomfortable doing, but were the most important things to do, and and away from uh, the things that were easy, that where I could hide. I, I know a lot of roofing owners who they hide on the roof because yeah. they're good, they're good production guys, and, and they 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 pull themselves into thinking, I have to be here to make sure the job gets done right. A- and they miss all the important things of running the office and-, and running the leads and getting the leads and selling the leads and, and that kind of thing. So it- it- they end up hurting their business more than helping their business by being on the roof.
2: head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned mentors and I know that, um, I know Richard Taylor was, um, was a mentor to, to many. How, how do you, how did you go about choosing, um, a a mentor how did you go about what what's kind of the process for because there's a lot of people out there you know you and i know know of them don't know what the hell they're
1: talking about they talk a good game but they really aren't that good yeah i mean i i always had a problem um and what the reason why i said to my wife the first time when she said you need to find a consultant she didn't really call it a mentor at the time she was more looking you need a consultant to help you and there is a difference between a consultant and a mentor. Um, and but she was really talking about a mentor. And I, my reaction was there aren't any in this industry. Okay. And I just I just didn't know because I was in my own little bubble, my own little world. Yeah. I, I didn't know that these, these people existed. Uh, but what really bothered me about going to some of the seminars and listening to some of these so-called consultant mentors was that. They were all trying. They were all telling you they would teach you how to become rich in in the business, uh, whether it's the window business, the siding, or the roofing. Um, it was always you know we we're going to teach you how to be you know how to how to make millions of dollars in the business. But it always struck me like these were almost like the real estate guys who would tell you you know we're going to teach you how to make millions in real estate. Mm-hmm. Well. Well, why aren't you doing it? If, if it's that easy, why aren't you doing it? Why, why are you just up there teaching how to do it rather than actually doing it? Um, so, you know, my, my whole thing was, you know, I'm going to look for someone who's actually doing it, who actually successfully did it or is still doing it. And, you know, and not necessarily did it, you know, 50 years ago because times change. Um So I want someone who's kind of irrelevant. And and when I found Richard Taylor, he was sort of at the end of his um, roofing career. And after looking at what he did, um, he had built a successful company, actually five successful companies, and successfully sold them and was exiting out of the business while the businesses were still running and still making lots of money. So to me, that was like, wow, that's what I want. I I, I want what he did and what he's got. Um, Rather than finding a a consultant who was in the siding business 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, and eventually went bankrupt and decided to do seminars and then has done seminars for the last 20 years, and and I'll listen to him. Um, You know, I wanted someone that was a little bit more relevant. Uh, and that's what I would suggest that people do. They, they look for someone that's relevant, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be in their industry. Um, it, it could be somebody who is in a, a separate industry but can show you and, and, and teach you the skills, that the basic business skills, that, that can help you take your business to the next level to help you scale your business.
0: Yeah. It's helps in
1: contracting to find someone who's actually in contracting, because we do have some specific issues that other industries don't necessarily have from labor problems to uh, you know things like that so
0: what were the big so you you got with with uh, Richard Taylor and and his organization and how long did it how long did it take you to kind of get over over the hump if you will of struggling problem after problem to you know i've got a i've got a good
1: grip on this i've got some level of control it, it, it took a little while it didn't happen overnight um i think the first you know my first year that i that i met with him um he had a a, a basically a contractors group and it was sort of a networking group but he provided the training so there was there was both the mentorship and there was the peer-to-peer networking, and, and they are different. You know, peer-to-peer networking isn't the same thing as having a mentor. Um, it, it, both are, to me, both are essential uh, because you, you don't necessarily just want to listen to one voice. Uh, but um, anyway, not not digressing to answer your question, I, this, I think the first year that I was part of the, the Contractors Network, um, it – Help helped turn around my sales. It helped fix my sales, and that took about a year to do that. And, and from there, it took another year or two to implement all the systems and processes that I needed to implement in, in each division of my company so that I could sort of start stepping away and, and not having to be there every day. So I would say probably three years um, in all it really took to, to get it built the right way, because I had to break things down. I, I had lots of people that were in the business for a long time, in, you know, in the roofing business for 30 years, and trying to change their mindset was difficult, and and some of them I had to let go, and I had to part with, because they couldn't change it.
0: Right. Well, and that's
1: tough for people, isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, that's one of the, to me, that's probably the most important characteristic of, of what you need to be able to take your business to another level, is it, it, that ability to, uh, you know, openly uh, be honest with yourself about how things are going and then open to other possibilities that exist and then the willingness to change. And, and And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there and a lot of business owners out there that they they may talk a good game and have really great ideas, but they're not willing to make the change and and that keeps them stuck
0: what you you know being stuck is a recurring theme with entrepreneurs in any in any business, not just in this one, what,
1: what, what helps an entrepreneur get unstuck? You know, I, I like I said, I think what, what helped me was that, um, I, I, I basically adopted, I mean, Rich, I sat down one day with Richard Keller, and, and he really talked to me and, and, and convinced me at the time that, while you're doing fine right now, you could be doing so much better. And, and you've got to let go of that fear. And, and I think it's fear that keeps people stuck. I think it's the fear of the unknown. And, and a lot, and it's almost like what Jim Collins says in his book, Good to Great. Um, you know, they might be good, right? Some of these contractors out there that are listening to this right now, they might be thinking, I'm doing fine. I, I've got a good business. I, I'm making a good living. But what they don't realize is that they're working 60, 80 hours a week and, you know, maybe they're making a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand $150,000 and think that that's a good living. When the reality is it's okay. It's probably enough to survive, but it's not you, – you don't have any financial freedom from that and you get sick or hurt or, you know, business gives a little – South you know for six months, and all of a sudden you're you're poor and you don't have a business anymore so you, you've got to be willing to let go of the good and 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 strive to make the changes that are needed to get your business to that next level and it's almost what I call the no option behavior you've got to have that no option behavior uh, it, it, you've got to be able to be open and honest to look at what other people. Have and say I can do that too, uh, because a lot of them. I mean, when you look around, some of the business owners, especially in the contracting space, not that many geniuses around. Um, there really aren't, and and there are companies out there that are doing twenty, thirty, forty million dollars from upwards of over fifty million dollars, and they're not any smarter than anyone than anyone else. They're not smarter than the guy doing a million or two million. They just were willing to take a chance and implement some systems and processes that were tried and true and that work, and and they took action, and and they let go of that fear. And some people are just afraid of success. What what will that do to me? Um, So I I think that that alone is one of the main things that keeps people from getting unstuck. Interesting.
0: (laughs) So you were so impacted by Richard Kaler and what became Certified Contractors Network, and you had your business at a point where you didn't have to run it every day, which is very cool today. You don't run your business every day. Um, How many hours a week, by the way, do you spend with Mangio Um.
1: Uh, to be honest with you, there are weeks that I don't spend any time with my roofing company um, yeah. because I spend all my time running the contractors network. Uh, right. But I, I would say if I average it out, I maybe five to ten hours yeah. a so week,
0: it's basically one day a week. One day we if that.
1: Yeah. If so that's yes. kind of the goal, right? And well, it was my goal. It, it, it was my goal. Um, it may not be everybody's goal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I can tell that's you, that my goal I, too. It, it was. It was. Uh, it was hard for many years because I was bored, and and that brings on a whole different uh, set of problems. That uh, you become bored, and, and and for a lot of contractors, a lot of business owners, or small business owners, I should say. We don't have real well-rounded lives, you know. We work, we right. work, and we have our family. Um, right. It wasn't like when I was a, a teenager or in my young, tw- in my early twenties, where I had hobbies. <laughs> I didn't have any hobbies anymore. So I kind of, all of a sudden, um, I had all this free time and nothing to do, and that can get you some, some trouble as well. It <laughs> can. Yeah. Uh, so I. Uh, um, I started looking for other businesses to get involved in because that's what I knew how to do. And that that sort of led me to uh, purchasing CCN.
0: What year was that, Scott?
1: Um, I purchased CCN in May of 2009. 2009. Oh, okay.
0: So okay. I, I actually met you right after that,
1: then. Yeah.
0: I yeah. think uh, it was shortly right after when you took over CCN. Now, so CCN is very cool. Do you want to let's, – let's, um, let's share a little bit about – let's give everybody like the 30-second or one-minute overview of what CCN is, because I want to ask you some specific questions about what you've learned over the last seven years running CCN.
1: Sure. Um, Certified Contractors Network is basically a – sort of an association of contractors where it's a membership organization and we provide training, uh, sales training, uh, business planning training, production training, administration training, all the training in the different aspects of the business, so the different departments of any contracting business. Um, What separates us from a lot of other training organizations is that, we're all active contractors. There's no one in the organization that's kind of a retired contractor and is not in it anymore. So the systems and processes are constantly being tweaked because things change. Um, for example, you know, leads, you know, getting leads even in 2009 – are so much different than getting leads today. Yeah. So what what we teach now is different than what we taught in 2009, um, how we handle customers and customer disputes. While they were one way in in the 90s and early 2000s, they're different today because of the Internet. So all the processes get tweaked and, and changed and shared among the members. So there's there's kind of a it's kind of a hybrid model there's there's training there's peer to peer networking uh and there's there's and there's consulting and, and then there's some mentoring as well so you can kind of find it all as a contractor in one place
0: yeah i was talking with with somebody the other day and and we were talking about this subject of what is available in terms of training and and you know i'm a, i'm a huge supporter and believer in 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 uh Certified Contractors Network. And in the show notes, if you guys are interested in learning more, um, the website is, it's contractors.net. Right, Scott? Contractors.net. Yeah. Contractors with an S. .net, not .com. Uh, but we'll put that in the show notes and you can go and check it out. And they have events and, and trainings and, and, and it's great. But um, so one of the things that um, as we kind of start to wrap up here, is, you know, over the last, well, really, 20 years, you've worked very closely with a lot of contractors. And you work with people that are um, struggling to make any money, and you work with some people that are fantastically successful. Fantastically successful. What are... What would you say are the maybe two, three top characteristics of the guys that are really, that are really successful? Let's take out the extremes. You know, let's look at the, the people in the middle that run a nice business. They're making enough money to have financial freedom in their lives. What are some of those
1: top characteristics? I would say they're focused. Um, that, that's one characteristic. They, they, they don't procrastinate, and they take action. Um, and they're, they're planners. I, I have to say that the, the most successful contractors that I meet, the most successful business people that I meet, actually put a plan together and then are willing to take action. And I need I so many people that have all kinds of ideas. They just never implement. They never take action. So they wonder why they're not seeing the benefits, and they wonder why everyone else is so successful. And then when you get underneath it and find out, they, they really don't take any action. They, they, they talk a good game, but they just don't implement. So I, I would say you don't have to be a genius. It, it doesn't take a genius to to make it successful in this business. It just takes, it, it takes someone to really be open about what's going on in their world and, and willing to make the necessary changes and then actually implement those changes.
0: What does, you know, we, we see the word, we hear the word, we see the word, we read the word, <coughs> action <laughs> a lot. What is what does it look like?
1: What does it look like to you
0: taking action?
1: Um, What it looks like to me is on on a daily basis figuring out what you need to do and then just doing it. You know, like the Nike slogan, "Just do it." Uh, Rather than talk about it, actually do it. Um, Find you know don't don't wake up at uh, eleven o'clock or. Or don't come into the office at, at, at eight o'clock and sit behind your desk and look at spreadsheets for three hours and and, and play on the internet and and then wonder why nothing is getting done. Uh, it, it's 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 holding people accountable. Uh, too many of us don't hold the people that work for us accountable. Um, it, it, it's it's creating that action. It's creating the the. the What's what's the right word for it? Um, The activity. Yeah. You know, like like salespeople go out in the field. You talk to salespeople who aren't doing well, and you find out that they're they're waiting for the phone to ring, and they're not doing anything. And then when they get a lot of leads, they sort of cherry pick what they think are the good leads, rather than constantly day in day out being focused planning their activity, and actually getting out in the field and doing something. And, and I think that's what you have to do. I think you have to wake up every day or the day before and plan out your day the next day and figure out the two or three things that actually have to get done and and, and focus on them in the morning and, and get them done. And, yeah. and, and if you, you know, if you can start that movement, um uh, some you know magical things can happen
0: absolutely well scott i uh i can't thank you enough for taking your time and being on uh the wealthy contractor podcast i think you are uh you really i mean when i when I put this together you are you are one of those people that was way up at the top of my list and and i thank you for um the time and sharing all of your uh experience with us and um for those of you listening in and you're interested in learning more about certified contractors network just go to contractors.net we'll include it in the show notes as well and uh that's a wrap for this episode of the wealthy contractor Podcast.